What is it like to age well in the Garden State, where nearly a quarter of residents are over 60 years old? Are you one of them? Join New Jersey Advocates for Aging Well to discuss the ups and downs of aging in New Jersey. In this podcast series, we tap into our network of leading experts to provide a fresh look into the key issues affecting the state's older population and their families, including finances, housing, health, and security. Each half-hour episode details professional insight into how you can maximize the joy, minimize the challenges, and capitalize on the opportunities that aging in the Garden State offers. As people age, it may become more difficult for them to access medical care if they have mobility issues, chronic illness, or may even be homebound. But it's still important to get these services to maintain their health. Bringing primary care and preventive care into the home is now an option with services like visiting physician services and dental home services. Join us today to learn more. Hello and welcome to Aging Insights. I'm Dr. Kathy Rowe, Executive Director of New Jersey Advocates for Aging Well. Today I'd like to welcome our guests, Dr. Evan Rubin and Dr. Lindsay Rubin, not related, right? <laughs> Dr. Evan Rubin is the Medical Director for Visiting Physician Services, part of the Parker Advanced Care Institute at VNA Health Group. He has been a geriatric house call physician for over 12 years. And Dr. Lindsay Rubin is part of Dental Home Services, which provides dental care to homebound and disabled patients. So welcome to you both, and we're very glad to have you here. Thank you. So for our first question, I'm going to start with, you know, many years ago, doctors made house calls. You know, we all knew that. You still see it in old movies and TV shows. But then we didn't hear about that for a long time. So it seems like there's a resurgence. What do you see as the drive behind house calls coming back? Well, I think that there are um, a number of reasons. Uh, for one, we've been doing house calls for more than 25 years. So okay. um, a lot of times it's just education. People don't know that it's available. Mm -hmm. uh, another reason is as the population and the large amount of population is older, they have more mobility issues like you mentioned mm -hmm. and difficulty getting out to their patients. So the need is there. Uh, so that's another reason why it's becoming more um, widespread and popular, more known. Um, and then another reason, and we'll probably talk about this a little later, uh, also is the cost. It's a mm -hmm. huge cost savings um, to be able to take care of patients at home versus running to uh, emergency rooms and hospitals. Oh, interesting. Okay. To piggyback off Dr. Rubin there, um, if you Google the silver tsunami, all the baby boomers are becoming senior citizens. Right. So there's this huge difference in the population, too, that need to be served. And again, with the mobility mm -hmm. issues and other chronic illnesses, it's easier for them to be treated in their homes. Okay. So there's a lot of that. So not only is it the ease, but it's also cost effective to save on the cost of care and emergency room visits and avoid, avoid some emergency room visits, I assume. Absolutely. Why is it important for people to keep up these primary care services? You know, we, we know a lot of older people see a lot of specialists, their, their needs might become more intense, but both of you work with primary care services too. Why is that important to keep up those services? Well, as we age, there's also a decline in health that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. So catching it early on and keeping up with your health, the preventative, it's easier to treat some symptoms and diseases, any illnesses, ailments that may arise. Mm -hmm. And for the medical primary sure. care? Yeah, well, so like um, Dr. Rubin said, as people get older, a lot of times there's 
there are more complex and, and uh, a greater number of, of issues, you know, mm -hmm. more comprehensive uh, disease processes. Uh, so the staying on top of those things is right. important. Having someone to coordinate the medication or the, the other types of care for all of those things is, is important. And it's also people become a little more fragile. It's a little more precipitous, their okay. health. So longer periods of time to wait when someone first starts showing symptoms, mm -hmm. um, if they don't have a visit for another month or three months, uh, that could be too late and it could there could be a more rapid decline that would again end up in the emergency room or a hospital visit. Whereas when you have a visiting, you know, when you have home care mm -hmm. and a primary care physician that can go and, and take care of all of those things um, within a few days or a day of that, you're able to jump right on top of it and help to stabilize the situation and prevent, you know, further illness. Okay, so Dr. Lindsay Rubin, we've talked before about the connections between dental care and um, how it affects health care. You had some examples of how one can lead to the other, uh, which I was surprised to learn about. But can you tell us a little bit more about that and that real connection between dental health and the rest of your health? Yes. Well, if you have poor dental hygiene, a lot of plaque buildup, fractured teeth, if you have a joint replacement, it could lead to a failed joint replacement. A lot of back plaque and bacteria in the mouth can lead to heart disease. And one thing that people don't realize is one of the leading cause of hospitalizations in the elderly is pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And one of the leading causes of pneumonia is inhalation of dental plaque. Oh, really? Yes. So what do you each think are the challenges that people are facing when they're keeping up with their visits? And, and not all older adults have chronic illness or need more specialty care, but a lot do, just as we age. So what are the challenges that you see your patients having in maintaining these schedules and getting to their doctor's or dentist appointments? Well, um, one major challenge is mobility. So we, we take care of patients that are um, that are homebound. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, with some support, perhaps for emergencies, they can leave the home, but it, it's usually a very taxing effort or, mm -hmm. or impossible for them to leave the home. So mobility is a big issue. Another one is uh, um, caregivers. You know, okay. a lot of times people can't take care of their regular right. daily living activities, so they need someone, whether it's a family member, a friend, mm -hmm. or someone's hired to come in, a home aide, to take care of them. And again, that, that poses a, a major transportation issue as well, okay. because it's difficult for, for them to do that. And like we said before, a lot of times people, not everyone, but a lot of times patients are more fragile, they have more comprehensive issues, and it's a lot to keep up with. You know, medication lists start to get longer and longer mm -hmm. and longer through all the doctors they see and the visits they've made. Um, so there are, you know, there are a lot of challenges on the medical side as well. There are also social challenges too, getting proper nutrition, making sure that there's, you know, personal as well as the home hygiene. Mm -hmm. All of those things become more challenging. Okay. And are these the same factors that contribute to people not keeping up with their dental care? Yeah, I think access, mobility, getting out, getting to the office. Also, we're very high tech. We have portable x-ray equipment. It's a sensor that connects to a laptop and a portable x-ray machine. Mm -hmm. So if somebody slumped over in their wheelchair, we can take an x-ray. If oh, they're wow. in the hospital bed, we can take an x-ray. And sometimes if they're in the office, getting them into the dental chair and stuff, it's not as easy to take the x-ray and get the needed right. treatment. So you bring all of that with you? All of it, yeah. So as we're still still dealing with COVID, you know, COVID really changed the way healthcare was delivered. And a lot of doctors and patients started using telehealth, which has a lot of benefits, especially for people that are mobility challenged. 
but we're not talking about telehealth. We're talking about you know hands-on care. So can you talk a little bit about the, the pros and cons of each? Like how far can telehealth go? And then when do you still need to make that home visit to actually see the person, touch the person, deliver hands-on care? Well, um, so you brought up COVID. COVID was, um, was a very challenging time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you're dealing, we, you know, we deal with a part of the population that was very at risk. Right. Um, and like I said, somewhat fragile. And, um, and, you know, we had to face a lot of, you know, there was a lot of people that didn't do well. Right. right. Um, and, and it was also, especially early on, it was very challenging for us too, pre-vaccines and making sure we stayed on top of safety, both mm -hmm. for the patients and ourselves. And C Could you even do visits early in COVID or before the vaccines? We did. We maintained uh, seeing patients, uh, you know, in their homes. And, um, and I really want to give credit to the other medical director at our group, Dr. Leonard. She really stayed on the forefront of the safety issues and the medicine and, mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that, all of that developing science and technology. Um, so we did. We were able to go in okay. and mask up and gown up and go and continue to see patients and take care of them and make sure, you know, the most at risk were at least seen. Mm -hmm. um, but like you mentioned, you mentioned telehealth. Another thing that we really did was accelerate our use of it and, our, okay. and develop platform to be able to reach out, not in person, and see patients. Um, that way. And the technology is changing all the time, true, right? True. We're just getting more and more advanced, not only in the communication of it with the mm -hmm. telehealth, um, which is also a challenge, especially with our population too. Right. You know, sometimes there's a little bit of resistance and inability to, to make those connections to telehealth. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we're accelerating that, that platform, that part of our work. We still do it on a daily basis okay. now. Uh, it is different than an in-person visit, right? Right. There are still things that can't be done, even with the developing technology of, like um, Dr. Rubin mentioned, some of the things that we can use are some, like tele, um, some stethoscopes and um, and different monitoring tools that we can leave in patients' homes that they can have, and then directly send that info back to us, and we can record it and analyze some of the information. But in-person visits with right. either a, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, or a doctor um, are still the mainstay of what we do. Mm -hmm. And that kind of personal one-on-one -on -one evaluation um, isn't going away. And uh, it's still, I think, the most valuable tool that we have. Good to hear. So I was going to say, for us, telehealth, um, it's very good as far as diagnosis, you know, for people that can't get out, but it's the actual in-home visit. So if you see on telehealth, maybe somebody has an abscess, a large swelling, but with the in-home visit, you can extract the tooth, file down a sharp tooth that might be cutting a cheek, or fill it. Oh, wow. So all that can be done in the in-person mm -hmm. visit that can't be done. So you can do everything that's in the dental office you can do in the home, yes. basically. We do. We make a lot of dentures partial dentures, can fix broken dentures, fillings, exams, cleanings, extractions. Okay. Do you have any lessons or things that you've learned and seen under COVID that you want to share that you'd like to see continue? Well, one of the, like I mentioned, it was a, it was a bit of a challenging time uh, and really kind of ramping up our care, mm -hmm. um, both telehealth and, and safely taking care of patients in the homes. One of the things that we did learn from, uh, from that 
year-long, multiple-year-long experience, um, which is still ongoing, obviously, mm -hmm. um, was that patients were or didn't go to the hospital or the emergency room as often as they used to. Okay. And a lot of that, of course, was fear-based because they were places that people had COVID. Right. They were afraid they would catch COVID if they went. Exactly. And what we found was that a lot of those patients and what the patients found was that through the care with, with telehealth and us going to see them mm -hmm. in their homes, they were able to do fine okay. staying at home and not make those visits that they otherwise would have in other years. Um, so that's something that the patients learned. It's something that, uh, that we were able to do looking back on that data is how many visits um, to hospitals and emergency rooms were made. And we were able to realize that we, we were able to provide the care for them in their mm -hmm. home safely mm -hmm. uh, and, and keep them out of those emergency visits. And it sounds like more preventive care. And I, I am ashamed to admit that I just went to my dentist. It had been two years. I didn't know it was that long because I didn't make an appointment under COVID. Um, were you able to, could, do you think that people got more preventive care because they knew it, they had this home service instead of venturing out into an office? Yes, I would like to think so. You know, they weren't, back to what Dr. Rubin said, as the fear of leaving the house a lot mm -hmm. of the times during COVID. Uh, they didn't have that. They'd be happy to have us come in the house. We have seven dentists. We're in the process of hiring an eighth, and everybody's vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So I think that allowed for people to feel a little bit more comfortable mm -hmm. um, allowing this in their home. And we were covered in PPE. Okay. You no know, N95s, face shields, gowns. The whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. So for each of you, you know, this is a, a very different kind of setup. Why did you each decide to go into home care delivery instead of having an office practice, which is still the majority of, of, of healthcare services? What, what and how did home services come about for dental care? So for dental home services, it was started 24 years ago but my, by my father, mm -hmm. who's also a dentist, Dr. Stu Rubin. My grandfather suffered a debilitating stroke, mm -hmm. and he was actually one of Dr. Salisbury's first patients from visiting physician. Oh. Yeah, so my dad saw him come to the house, and he saw the impact of how my grandfather's stroke had, not just on my grandfather and his ability to, inability to move, mm -hmm. but how it had impacted our whole family, right? Mm -hmm. Having to help him get access to care, and kind of took the lead on that for himself and said, how can translate it into dental care in home? Wow. So they came from a very personal story yeah. connection. Yeah. Wow. And how about you? Why did you decide to do, the, do it this way instead of going into an office and setting up shop there? Well, um, I, before joining visiting physicians, uh, I worked at an urgent care office. Mm -hmm. And while there's tremendous value there, and I understood that, and I appreciated the, the, the work and the training I had there, um, with such a variety of things that you see. The thing that I missed, which was also part of my training, is a more holistic and a more personal kind of comprehensive primary care role. Okay. Uh, so I would, see, I would see somebody and it was a lot of Band-Aid care. You know, you take care of something and say right. follow up and follow up and follow up. And a lot of times there was no follow up. Uh, okay. So in this case, being able to go, especially go into someone's home and you see not only all of the medications are taking, whether they need refills. Right. You look around and see where they're sleeping, how easy it is to access a bathroom, what the refrigerator looks like, mm -hmm. what the, you know, their nutrition um, status is, and really what they are capable of doing 
on their own in the home and what, what that kind of comprehensive health is going to be for them when you leave. Uh, and that was missing in the, in the previous, you know, in, in other aspects of healthcare. Even in an office visit, you don't get that kind of, you know, access to, to someone's home life and, and what the rest of the 100%, you know, uh, of their existence looks like. Mm -hmm. that, that's a really good point. I'm sure for both of you, you see what else is going on because so much of health is, is what's going on in the home. You know, if they come to an office, you see that, you see the sliver and how they are on that day. But you mentioned nutrition, you can see what they're eating, you can see their support services. So what are some of the other things that you pick up on or see when you do a home visit? Well, so, um, and again, what's nice is we're able to act on those things too. So some okay. of the things you see, sure, if there isn't proper nutrition, you know, let's say someone has diabetes and you know, sure, I can manage medications, mm -hmm. but if I see that all that is there to eat is a loaf of bread and pastries, mm -hmm. then we can, there can be some education there. They can, mm -hmm. We can reach out and find some resources um, to help provide more nutritious food. If mobility is a problem and there are loose rugs, if there's, okay. you know, the debris, things, you know, um, around, we can help get things cleared out to make it safer to prevent falls. In the bathroom, you can have um, mm -hmm. handrails installed. In the hallways, you can have handrails installed. Um, make it easier for them to access some of these things, which, again, are all part of the support for right. their health. I would just say that from our perspective, sometimes people can't, um, they're not the best historians, so I don't get the best information on their medical history. Okay and their medical conditions when asking, which is obviously important knowledge for us in treating right. them, even allergies to antibiotics. So when I go in the home, sometimes I see all their medications and I can get a clear idea what they're being treated for, so now I know a little bit more about their medical background and also for drug-drug interactions when prescribing something. Okay. Okay. Now, you've, we've talked about mobility as one of the biggest challenges for, for people who can't get out to an office and why you see them. But what are the other reasons that somebody would have home services um, besides mobility? Is it like dementia or are there other types of people that should look at at home services or could become your patients? So over half of our patients have Alzheimer's or some form of dementia. Okay. And we treat a lot of patients like that. They seem to be more comfortable in their own home. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, my father's also actually on the board of Alzheimer's New Jersey. Also, we have some patients with ALS or MS mm -hmm. that are younger, but that's, again, a mobility issue, so okay. circling back to that. And is there anything, trans mobility or dementia, any other factors that well, would... those are certainly the big, you know, the big factors. Um, trauma, sometimes if someone had, you know, been in an accident mm -hmm. and, uh, and either post-operatively they can't get out and more okay. difficult. Um, and that's, you know, it's not a very high number, percentage of our patients that are kind of short-term mm -hmm. um, disability, but, uh, but that certainly, that can be the case as well. There's also, you know, as I mentioned before, and I think dementia is a great example, one of the most important things to, to, when you're helping to support someone with dementia is continuing a routine and having familiar environment. So any time they leave for any stretch of time outside of that, what they're familiar with, it can become detrimental and confusing and disorienting. Okay. And there's not always going to be a guaranteed return to the baseline. Okay. So really that's something that we you know, try to um, educate and hone in on with families too and with terms of hospitalizations and emergency room visits is really 
keeping them comfortable and keeping patients at home in a familiar situation and mm -hmm. setting while we can provide you know, quality supportive care is, is very important for them. There's other, another one is weather. You know, we live here sure. in New Jersey <laughs> and um, for many months of the year, um, it can be difficult. And we have it all, too dangerous. hot, too cold, too yeah, anything. Too icy, too rainy, too yeah. wet. Um, and you know, the, the state of healthcare now, doctors' offices, oftentimes have long waits and right. are difficult to get in on an urgent basis. Right. So there's a lot of convenience, there's a lot of safety, uh, there's just a lot of good healthcare involved with yeah. home care. And what I hear you both saying is you're, you're taking a very holistic approach. So it's not just what you see in that you know, 15, 30 minute visit in the office. You're talking about the whole picture. And um, that seems to work more with prevention. You're talking about avoiding urgent care or emergency room visits. And one of the things that I keep thinking is this holistic approach probably benefits more than the patient. I'm thinking of the family and the caregivers. What do you think the impact is on them um, when they don't have to bring someone who's struggling out into the car in the bad weather, or um, especially the spouses who, are, who might have their own problems who might be becoming frail aren't as strong as they used to be. How do you see the impact that your work and your approach has on families and the caregivers? I find the families to be extremely appreciative um, and it leads to more quality time that they have with their family member mm -hmm. or the, whoever they're taking care of the sick patient. For instance, something like dentures requires repeat visits. Okay. So rather than them having to bring the patient out to the office each and every visit, we're always going there. They get more quality time, save money on having to maybe hire an ambulance okay. or something to get them out of the office and stress about it. Mm -hmm. And it's more time that they can spend on themselves and happy times with their patient, Good. family members. You yeah. see similar things? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a great convenience. It's, you know, like I said before, it's just, um, it's more supportive to be able to stay in their home, mm -hmm. in their, you know, being comfortable. Um, there's also the communication. They know that they have a phone number that they can reach out to for our office staff, for social workers, behavioral health, and for the, the clinicians and um, our, ourselves. They know they have that support and that lifeline that they can mm -hmm. contact um, in between visits. It's okay. not, they're not kind of isolated um, and being the only one, you know, taking care of, right. of their I'm sure that's one. a great relief for people. It is. So, you know, beyond physician, what are the other kind of home services people can have? I'm sure there's a broader range than just the, the primary care visit. Right. So visiting physicians is a part of a larger group called the Visiting Nurse Association. Mm -hmm. And they are a group of more than 2,000 employees. Uh, they see 150,000 um, or more visits a year in 13 counties in New Jersey. And uh, because of our relationship with them, we can help provide um, a number of different services. There are home health aides, mm -hmm. there are uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists. There's a number of different services that can come into the home okay. and be supportive as, in addition to hospice uh, program as well. Okay. So that's, that's quite a range. I mean, I think between then that and you, we could cover everything at all. Pretty much. So, you know, as you're, you have a more unique approach and, um, 
and clearly one that the need is going to be growing as New Jersey continues to age. We know that by about 2030, we're going to have more people over 60 than we have students in our schools. So I, I'm just curious, what do you see as the future of healthcare? What do we need and how do we have to adapt to meet this, the, the shifting gem demographics? People are not, not only are more people older, but they're also older longer, which is a good thing. So how do you see this changing our healthcare needs and structure? You wanna go? I was just gonna say, I think home healthcare will explode. Mm -hmm. I think that there'll be a huge need for it, so there's a huge surge I do. I think that as technology, you know, advances, mm -hmm. there's going to be even more that can be done at home in a in um in a quicker, more more um more real time way. Um, I think that as the push for a, a growing population that would need these services mm -hmm. uh, is there, there is going to be a greater push for there to be more providers going into this space okay. that helps to, to allay the costs of of you know expensive right. emergency room visits and hospitalizations, um, as well as the the you know just needing that daily coverage of this type of care. Um, and I think people are going to, as the education's there, people are going to know more about it and mm -hmm. choose it themselves. So then, you know, outside of watching Aging Insights, how can people find out about you and similar services? How do they, how do they start on this? So we have a lot of advertisement that goes out um, in, in newspapers, on radio ads, on television, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of mailings that we do. The website they want people want to reach out and find us mm -hmm. is visiting-physician.com mm -hmm. and um, and there's a phone number too which I'm sure and where do you cover up. what areas we're in eight counties okay. in New Jersey um, we have over 3,400 active patients Wow uh, eight physicians and more than 30 nurse practitioners and physician assistants okay. that's larger and than growing most, that's <laughs> larger than most office practices yes we're the largest um, home care practice uh, in this population in New Jersey. And Dr. Rubin, what's your service area? Where do you cover and how can people find you? So we are statewide. We mm -hmm. cover the entire state of New Jersey and parts of New York. Mm -hmm. A lot of Staten Island, Rockland County. And we partner, we work with visiting physician. We get referrals from visiting physician, okay. visiting nurse association, social workers. Mm -hmm. Our website also, dentalhomeservices.com and we have a phone number as well, 800-842-4663. So I'm still curious about the logistics here because you know, I imagine the dental office with the chair and the tray and the lights and the x-ray or a doctor's office with the blood pressure and all the equipment there. How do you actually bring this equipment into the home? So we have all portable equipment we have the portable x-ray unit, which is a handheld machine that connects to the sensor right into a laptop and the x-rays appear instantly. Wow. We have impression materials to be able to take impressions for any type of procedure, a portable drill. Mm -hmm. And all of our equipment goes back. We use as much disposable equipment as we can. Okay. And the rest of the stuff goes back to the office and gets sterilized in an autoclave mm -hmm. that has a bag that changes color when it's sterilized, and the autoclave is monitored by a microbiology lab. Okay. So yeah, everything is portable and compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. We drive it around in our car and can bring it into the patient's room so they don't have to leave. Okay. 
and for the physician, because this, um, you know, imagining the old bag, that one leather bag that uh, Marcus Welby brought with him. Yeah, well, it's just like that. There is a, a little, well, mine's black, but it can be any color you want bag that is filled with <laughs> the stethoscope and the blood pressure cuff and otoscope and all of those tools we use to, you know, check vital signs, mm -hmm. a little pulse oximeter, um, as well as some other things, you know, sometimes you have to deal with ears and things and do some flushing. We take out uh, sutures and staples. We have all that removal oh. uh, that we can do. Um, sometimes bandages and for wounds uh, that we carry with us. We also um, coordinate with labs, multiple labs throughout New Jersey that can okay. do phlebotomy. So we can oh. order blood work and have that done right in the home, as well as radiology services. We can do x-rays and uh, ultrasounds, uh, EKGs, echocardiograms. There are a lot of different services wow. that can be provided right there in people's homes. So and, and as well as the laptop. So, you know, so we, um, are able to have electronic health record, so not only document at that time, mm -hmm. it can go to other physicians and other, um, you know, healthcare providers. We can also pull up other records mm -hmm. and old labs and um, and radiology studies that were done. So you can do basically everything, yeah. and probably simpler because often the patient has to go somewhere else for the X-rays, somewhere else for the lab work, and you can do it all there. So I want to thank you both for joining us today, Dr. Evan Rubin from Visiting Physician Services and Dr. Lindsay Rubin from Dental Home Services. This has been, you know, very interesting to learn about new ways for people to receive the care that they need. And we want to thank all of you for watching this episode of Aging Insights TV, also available as a podcast. To find out more information and to view previous episodes, please visit our website at www.njaaw.org and click on Aging Insights. Aging Insights is brought to you with the support of the Wallerstein Foundation for Geriatric Life Improvement, our funders, supporters, and viewers like you. I wanna thank our partners here at PCTV for helping us bring our guests to you today. Now, if you need information about resources and services in your area, please contact your county office on aging. Their phone number can be found on our website, or you can dial the state hotline at 877-222-222. 3737.